0: Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Pete Paxson is a book author and undercover investigator who has infiltrated over 700 puppy mills. In his new book, Rescue Dogs, he talks about the terrific dogs he's rescued. In the book, he also gives advice and tips for anyone living with rescue dogs and what people should know if they are thinking about adopting one. So I have a very special guest today, and Pete, I want to welcome you to our show. I am really excited to speak to you because of all of the incredible work that you are doing and have done on behalf of dogs. Now, you are living now with a dog named Floyd, yes? Floyd. Tell me about Floyd. Okay.
1: Yeah, so Floyd, um, he's, he's you know my dog as well now, but he's, he's my girlfriend's dog. Uh-huh. She's had him her whole life. Floyd just turned 17. He is blind. Um, he's a little Jack Russell. Uh-huh. He's got uh, brain cancer, and he is basically a little ball of energy. Uh, so he just, he's like a Roomba. He just goes until he bumps into something, <laughs> and this little tail is twitching, and he's sniffing the floor, and he just keeps going. And because he's blind, it changes his behavior. Like, if he smells something, he won't kind of think, oh, like, what's that? I'll, I'll carefully check it out. Just face right into it. trash can <laughs> bowl of food doesn't just boom right oh, into it. it. Yeah, That's
0: great. Mm -hmm. That's great. So can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up, just generally, and what your relationship was to dogs as as a kid and a young adult?
1: Sure. So I'm from the South. We had a family dog when I was a kid, and he came from a breeder, Uh and we didn't know any better, and he was a little Karen Terrier named Scotty, and raised him from a puppy up until he was 19 years old. And that was very important for me. It helped shape how I see animals because I was one of those kids who was never very popular. I was actually bullied my entire childhood. And, but, you know, I had Scotty though. Yeah. Scotty was always there for me. He was always my best friend. Yeah. Right. And I think that um, it helped not only that I always received empathy and love and loyalty from Scotty, But, you know, as someone who's been bullied and then having that close relationship with an animal, it helped me to be more empathetic for animals. So I always feel bad for anyone else who's picked on or put down. And for animals, the problem is that they have no ability to defend themselves or speak up for themselves. So I even more so feel like wanting to do something to help them.
0: How did that inform your early career and in adulthood?
1: Well, um, I originally wanted to go into law enforcement yeah. because I thought that's a great way to help out. Absolutely. Anyone who needs help. Yeah, But the problem was that what I learned was that every aspect of law enforcement that I looked at, there were so many other people that were getting involved in it. So I looked at everything. And what I settled on was at the time I settled on, I'm going to join the FBI. Everybody knows about serial killers and how to profile someone from a crime scene and all that but at the time that was kind of new and so I just learned about it this book *Mind Hunter*, came out yeah and when I read that I thought oh my god this is the most evil stuff I can imagine I want to join that unit and by the time the second book came out from from those authors and it was called Journey into Darkness he pointed out you know there's people lining up out the door to join this unit. We don't have enough spots to fill. So at the same time, I was learning about animal rights, and I learned two things. Number one, there's a lot of people in law enforcement. Number two, the worst things that I had ever read about one person doing to another happened to animals either in a similar or identical manner, but on a mass scale. And that at least at that time, there were a handful of civilians doing undercover work to help animals at the time. So I thought, okay, this is actually where I'll fit.
0: And how did you find your way into the world of doing undercover work?
1: By trying really hard for two years. Uh-huh. So I was working at animal shelters, and I tried to get in with an organization, and I couldn't get accepted anywhere. You know, I had uh, no investigative experience. I had no background with law enforcement or investigations or anything. But eventually, I was able to get together with this PI and Steve Garrett. And he was working for this small group called Last Chance for Animals. Yes. And I couldn't get hired with them until Steve came on and... I met him out in New Jersey, and he was trying to track down these people that were selling sick puppies to customers and then taking off and disappearing so they didn't have to pay any of the costs. And I helped him do mobile surveillance to try and track them down, and he hired me right then. And the next thing I know, he tells me that they have this really big target, this target in Arkansas that is selling dogs and cats to research labs. And that some of them are stolen pets. And, you know You can't write this stuff. It's yeah, oh, I know. Horrific. Yeah, it was it was absolutely terrible. You know, and this is you know, this is eighteen years ago. And here I am, I'm, you know, you know, barely in my twenties and this yeah. young guy like, Oh, that sounds great, you know, let's go do it. And obviously I'm so glad I didn't say no, but I have to admit that at the time I did not fully understand what it meant to oh, do that. Sure. Yeah. So packed up my stuff, went into the Ozarks of Arkansas. And that was the case that, with the help of Steve, it shaped me as an investigator and it reshaped me as a person. We mention that case in the book. And that case is important because all of us have something in us that's dark that we want other people to listen to. We want to be able to explain. But most of us don't want to ever listen to someone else explaining it, right? And one-on-one it's easy, but giving that information to the masses is very difficult. And here I was on my first case encountering something that was so dark, and what I saw from that, local law enforcement was corrupt, but we got the U.S. Attorney's Office involved. And when I finally got evidence of fraud, we could bust the target. But what made the biggest impact was that there was an HBO documentary so that all of America could see what was happening, and so it could create this void that was never filled in for these random source dogs and cats, these stolen pets, to keep going as a part of this business to fill research labs. Man, as tough as that case was, and as much as it changed me, there's no choice after that. There's no, there was no way I could say, "Well, that's good enough." That
0: was right. Oh, hang fun. it up. That's, no, it's yeah. it's.
1: A, I learned a lot. I have to use that for something, yeah. so I had to keep going.
0: Yeah, you can't turn away. And when you went there, what, did you work as a, a hose man? Uh-huh.
1: My job was to spray out all of the dog manure yeah. from all of the, I had about 600 dogs at a time in the in the main uh, dog area. And then I had to feed the dogs, break up dog fights, um, that kind of thing. And uh, some of the dogs I would see, you know, they were, they did appear to be stolen pets. Uh, most of the dogs that would come in, you know, they're like these sick, scrawny, beagles, blue ticks, walkers, you know, yeah. things like that. But then occasionally we'd get in, you know, chocolate lab, yeah. golden cocker spaniel. They they smelt like they were perfumed. They could yeah. sit and shake hands on command. And there was this, uh, you know, it was obviously, you know, it was just terrible for them. And not all not all the dogs survived in that place to sure. make it to a research to, to the horrors of a research right. lab. But then it was, you know, watching what happened to them and not doing anything to help them because if I did, you know, it either turns into a theft case or an assault and battery case against me as opposed to an animal cruelty and fraud case against the target exactly um eventually the place was shut down so spoiler when you read the chapter it's called rebel it's in the book the place is shut down hundreds of dogs are saved that target went completely out of business and now it is figuring out a way to try to have as much success on an even bigger industry which is an industry selling puppies for the pet trade yes something that is more nefarious because unlike selling dogs and cats to research labs the pet trade seems like something that is so harmless right exactly you know especially you know you're in new york city last year uh i was here and i went to every pet store in the five boroughs all the pet stores in long island and was undercover, documented all of the lies they told me about where their puppies come from. Then I went to those puppy mills to document the conditions where they come from. It's night and day. You know, it's, and again, it's something where it's so bad you won't believe it unless you see it. And you can see it in a video on the uh, website for the Companion Animal Protection Society.
0: Yeah, I when I first started to kind of having this awakening about veganism and about puppy mills, cetera, I was that crazy guy that would just go into these places and start screaming and you know, they'd be like I was always getting escorted out and mm-hmm. so I'm hoping you that a fist
1: bumpy thing. <laughs> <laughs> thank <all right>. you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um and I do believe that we are in our lifetime, I believe we will see that those all of those sorts of things will eventually go away, at least in America. But yep. It is. And the whole idea that being a voice for the voiceless, I mean, that's the bottom line. Because these animals, the ones that I visit, are in shelters and they, they're, they're voiceless. And we are here to advocate for them if we can help. So so let's get to the book. Um, yeah. The book is called Rescue Dogs. Yes. And tell me a little bit about how that happened and what the book is about. I know it's divided in a couple of segments. Sure.
1: So what the book essentially is about is it is an attempt... To answer any questions that anyone would have about why they should adopt a dog and not buy a puppy from a breeder so for example imagine someone says to you well look I understand puppy mills are bad but listen I know this breeder and this breeder is just a small breeder they just do it because they love the breed they don't do it for the money or you know look this pet store showed me pictures of this breeder it's dogs running around in a yard and if these places are federally inspected how can they really be that bad? If there's already laws to protect them, how can they be that bad? And not only that, but listen, I have a special needs child. I know how to raise dogs. I'm not gonna get a dog from the shelter that could be dangerous. I'm gonna raise the puppy to be right for my family. Exactly. Rescue dogs is the answer to all of that. It explains how when you adopt a dog from a shelter, you know who you're getting when you buy a puppy from a breeder you don't. It discusses the science behind nature and nurture. It discusses what is wrong with large breeders, small breeders, USDA licensed breeders, and I regret to say how common apathy or corruption from local law enforcement can be when it comes to these issues.
0: Yeah, I've had some dealings. I work with a group called Dogs Deserve Better down in virginia that took over the michael vick property and we get a lot of calls a lot of emails from people from around the country saying there's a dog in our neighborhood that's outside chained or that's being left outside etc and um, so part of our job if we want to help is to call the local authorities the local animal control and some are actually amazing like i'm very surprised but a lot of them are not helpful or they'll go and check it and then it'll be a friend of theirs like oh they're fine and no it is it's really yeah there's you. a lot of frustration involved and um, I'm glad that you're speaking out about that because the idea of of getting a dog from a breeder, I mean, it sounds harmless enough. and a lot of the breeders that I've experienced in my life, yeah, it seems fine, you know, but the relationship between buying a dog from a breeder and the the dog that's ending up in a shelter that possibly loses his or her life, I mean, there's definitely a correlation. Oh
1: absolutely. And so to all of your listeners, who they may, maybe they breed dogs, maybe they've they've bought puppies from dogs. Look, I'm not trying to to hurt anybody's feelings, but to those listeners, I would say, bear with me for a minute and be very open-minded. Even if you don't agree with me, at least hear me out on this, that there's well over 600,000 dogs that are euthanized in shelters every year. So it, it seems as though, you know, um, with the amount of pets that we're buying from pet stores, it seems like, well, 600,000, we could adopt that, and we'd still have enough room to buy from pet stores, right? But there's over 800,000 cats that are euthanized as well, right? So you start to get to about 1.5 million, and it seems like with about 2 million you know, animals that people want, that are, you know, they're buying, you know, every year. Seems like there's still a little bit of room, isn't there? And here's the problem. Puerto Rico and the Caribbean's just as recent weather events are causing us to have to get dogs and cats from there, bring them over to the U.S. and save them. There's more than just that 1.5 million that are being euthanized here that need help. Some of the best shelters that there are, such as uh, uh some of the shelters we mentioned in the book, Animal Rescue Fund of the Hamptons, yes. um, Animal Rescue League of Iowa, um, Austin Pets Alive, Posado State yes. Haven. A lot of these shelters, they will take animals from not just out of town, from out of state, from place from municipal shelters that have a high euthanasia rate. And the way they lower it is they get them to a, a rescue group or an individual who takes yeah. it upon themselves to go out of state to yeah. try and place that dog with a foster
0: I volunteered a, a shelter in Yonkers, and it's ninety percent pit bulls. And yep again, a lot of people have this idea about what a pit bull is. And the longer that the dogs are in the shelters, the harder it is for them to become a dog.
1: Right, and and that is a there's a lot of myths about shelter dogs. They're dangerous. They're all going to have separation anxiety. They're broken. They're used. You know all this. Yes. um Anyone who knows dogs knows that the stereotypes don't hold up. Yes. Pit bulls. So many pit bulls I know that are the sweetest dogs. Oh, I love them. They're my it. favorite. They're like yeah. my spirit animal. Yeah. And I've also met one of the meanest dachshunds you'll ever meet in your life. You never know, right? No, it's yeah. true. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, the other thing that I've learned, and we explain this in rescue dogs, is that there's a lot of dogs that I've encountered where some of them are, they're even aggressive, not just afraid, but aggressive. And there's ways to reach those dogs and they're not necessarily aggressive because they just want to hurt you. They're scared. Yes. Right. They just need a little bit of time. And the more that we work on communities coming together to adopt more instead of buying from breeders, the more opportunities we have to open up shelters and foster communities to take time to save these dogs lives. Yeah.
0: And fostering is such a huge aspect that I always encourage people to do. And not everyone can do that. But if you can, it's just, it's a wonderful way to get the dog Or the cat out of the shelter environment into a home and just make, also to make room for another animal that may, that may, you know, end up in that place.
1: Which is part of the solution by itself because say you get a puppy from a breeder. They're generally pulled away from the the breeding mother at about five to six weeks of age. Yeah. So they don't know to not play bite. So they're going to play bite. They develop separation anxiety at that point because they're pulled away from the mother. Yes. They're going to be within, for about two weeks, they're going to be, two to three weeks, they're going to be in another little cage out of the whelping box with their litter mates. Then they go off to a broker or right into a truck and they go off to a pet store. Now they're somewhere else and boom, then they're at your house, right? They're going to be much more susceptible to having some kind of an illness than a dog who's at the shelter. But what you're talking about, someone fostering a dog, right? Which a lot of great rescues do. Now that dog already has an understanding about being house trained. No puppy does, right? That dog is also probably gonna know about how to walk on a leash. You'll know if that dog likes kids, likes other dogs, likes cats, likes to go swimming in the pool or fetch a ball. Yeah, That is a situation where you're more likely to know who you're actually bringing into your family. Yeah, I agree with you. But you know, you have to understand that the dog's behavior is gonna to change to some degree to a limited or permanent amount of time after being in a new environment. So what the shelter staff have seen is not going to be necessarily entirely what you're going to see when the dog goes to your house. Yeah. But in general, you know, you'll you'll know. If you're getting the dog from, say, a small municipal shelter that has, they don't do any training, any fostering, they do nothing like that, then it is, you know, you have a lot more unknowns, but you you just want to make sure that you are prepared to spend a lot of time with your dog, especially when you first bring... Your dog home yes and the easiest part of that advice is an understanding which we explain in the book is understanding immediately when the dog comes home house training begins right away you know and also you know walking on a leash begins right away the moment you bring your dog home and that information is simpler and it's the most common thing that you see from a lot of wonderful dog trainers where you can get that information in their books and online it's an entirely different process and you just have to make sure you have the time and the patience. Yeah. It'll be worth it, though. I promise yeah. you it'll be worth it.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, getting a dog or adopting a dog, it's a huge commitment. Yep. And I remember when I adopted my first dog, Tiny Tim, a few weeks later, I was calling the shelter like, I don't think I can do this. You know, you yeah. might have to come get him. And they're like, just give it, a, you know, give it some time. And we worked it out, and he was the love of my life. Yeah. And, um, but, and I certainly didn't do it perfectly, and there's a lot of things that... In retrospect, I wish I had done it just as far as training and doing being more consistent.
1: Yep, absolutely. I know that uh, for a lot of people, adopting is not necessarily a realistic option, and that's fine. That's why we also explain in the book the other options that exist and how you can do them. Mm-hmm. Now, while that includes fostering, yes. it also includes volunteering at shelters. Yes. It also includes understanding who to donate to and what kind of legislation you should support. And that final one, knowing what kind of legislation to support, now is the critical time that's fantastic we are seeing a momentum that is building for passing laws to ban pet stores from selling puppies from breeders yes and while there are false rescues that are abusing that system we're also seeing legislation that can keep the false rescues out as well so that puppy millers cannot be selling puppies from pet stores california has made massive headway yes on that there's several other states we need next. Every listener can do something about
0: that. That's good to know because that is some, something that, again, it goes state by state. Yes. And for people to understand what those laws are so yeah, that they can get behind them and help support them.
1: 100%. And New York is the state. We almost passed a law recently. We had some holdouts. Yeah. Um, but if New York passes that law so that pet stores can't sell puppies yes. from puppy mills. It is the biggest blow to the puppy mill industry that could possibly be. Yeah.
0: So fingers crossed on yes. that. Yes. So the book is called Rescue Dogs, and it's where they come from, why they act the way they do, and how to love them well. And yeah. I love that the, the the dedication to this book, which now, it just came out this October, so it's just, it's very fresh. Mm-hmm. The dedication reads, for everyone defending those who cannot defend themselves. And that is so far-reaching. And... Again, I mean, I'm getting chills. The work that you do and people like yourself, it's very courageous and it's incredibly selfless. And it's not something many people could do to be able to kind of withstand the things that you witness and to have to kind of just be the witness and not really be able to do anything while you're in that situation. But what you're doing is, is so helpful in the long run. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to have you here with us today, Pete. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: The only thing I'd like to share is that um, I'm aware that everything I've ever done has, obviously, it takes a huge team. Yes. That team includes includes law enforcement, includes prosecutors. Yes. But, you know, listen, to, uh, it includes legislators, but a vast bulk of that team includes people like you and your listeners. Yeah. We need people to speak up. We need people to get educated. And it's not as hard as you think. It's not as hard as you think to learn who to donate to, what laws to pass. So I urge you, um, you know, buy the book, buy it for someone else, get people educated. Welcome to the team.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so the book is called Rescue Dogs, a complete guide to rescue dogs from America's leading animal welfare undercover investigator, Pete Paxton. And you received some help writing the book from a gentleman named Gene Stone, who's written some amazing books about the world of animals rescue animal welfare veganism all those great things and pete thank you for for joining us today
1: thank you so much keep up the good (laughs) work. thanks
0: for bringing the vegan donuts
1: oh you got it absolutely (laughs) hope you enjoy them
0: (laughs) i will i can ill afford them but (laughs)
1: i'm okay (laughs) (laughs) thank you again yeah
0: thank you man It was fascinating to hear about Pete's secret adventures, and I think it's brave of him to have gone through that, putting himself at risk for the sake of saving and rescuing dogs. I'm also an advocate for rescue dogs, something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And I think that it's always an option for everyone to consider when they're thinking about getting a dog instead of getting one from a breeder. Not that I think it's wrong to get a dog from a breeder, but I really do feel that there's so many rescue dogs in this world in need of homes. If you're interested in hearing more, you can find Pete's Rescue Dogs book on Amazon. I think he's doing really important work, and I was so glad to be able to speak to him about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Sommer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you. you.